companies, rather than trying to play offense when it comes to service experiences and wow the customer and create more loyalty, the better approach is to actually mitigate disloyalty by reducing what we call these sources of customer effort. So reduce loyalty by making service easier than you make it today. Don't force your customers to hop around channels. Don't make them tell their story over and over again. Make it easier. And when you do that, really good things happen. Welcome back to the CX Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Rose Earhart. On today's show, we're joined by Matt Dixon, the founding partner of DCM Insights, also the chief product and research officer for the Austin-based AI venture, Tether. Now, Matt's also an author, speaker, and advisor to Fortune 500 companies. And today we'll get to pick his brain about several of his books he's been working on for years. So Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, of course. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started and, and really why you specialize in customer loyalty and customer experience? I've been a sales, customer service, customer experience researcher for probably the better part of 25 years now and have just uh, always found those spaces fascinating. I think what, what fascinates me most is trying to unpack the reasons customers do the things that they do, <laughs> which which I think always Dex's companies as they try to figure out what's the best way to respond to those customer demands and support customers' crazy wants and needs. Yeah. I mean, as a customer myself, I find it fascinating. So I can't wait to learn about your research and, and about those findings. Because in your book, The Effortless Experience, you talk about some of the key pillars of a low effort customer experience. So tell us about how you approach that idea and really what it all means. I think we started this research in like 2007. And at the time, you know, the big question that was on the minds of customer support and customer service leaders was how can we support our company's objectives to create more customer loyalty? Now, the conventional wisdom's long been that it's not enough to do what the customer is asking us to do. We need to do more than what they've asked us to do. We need to wow them. We need to surprise them, delight them. And if you do that, then you will earn customer loyalty, but you never earn it just by doing what the customer expects. So we ran a broad-based study and our goal was to find out, okay, what if you run like a big call center, a big support organization for a large company? How do you do that kind of stuff at scale? What we found was that customers whose expectations were exceeded were actually no more loyal than those whose expectations had been simply met. So that was a big surprise. And it told us that companies spend a lot of energy and time and money trying to get their reps and get their service professionals to try to delight customers, but customers don't actually pay us back with their loyalty. And then as we got done deeper into the research, what we found is most service interruptions actually don't create loyalty at all. They actually create disloyalty. And when you unpack that one level further, the stuff that creates that disloyalty is the stuff that we all hate as customers. Like when the company sends you to a website or an app and you just get turned around and confused, and then you have to pick up the phone call. Or when they force you to call back like four or five times to chase down an answer. Or when you call and the person you're talking to can't help you and they got to transfer you to somebody else. Or when they ask you to tell your story over and over again. Or when they treat you like a number, not like a real person. You know, those are the things that create this disloyalty. So the big takeaway from the research was that companies, rather than trying to play offense when it comes to service experiences and wow the customer and create more loyalty, the better approach is to actually mitigate disloyalty by reducing what we call these sources of customer effort. So reduce loyalty by making service easier than you make it today. Don't force your customers to hop around channels. Don't make them tell their story over and over again. Make it easier. And when you do that, really good things happen. We actually found that Customers with low effort, easy experiences are much more likely to buy again. They're much more likely to spend more, and they're much more likely to 
say good things or at least not say bad things about the companies in question. Not only that, but a low effort experience is actually easier for companies or cheaper for companies to deliver as well, which is a good thing, especially given the current economic environment. Now, that is really good to hear. Let's dive a little deeper on this topic. So if making that service interaction easy by reducing customer effort is making such a difference for organizations, why are there still so many companies that haven't gone through the process of making this a priority? I think it's just, it's hard to actually fix these things. In our research, we tried to simplify it. So there are really four things that easy to do business with companies do that the rest of us do not do. Those four things is they create a simple, intuitive, streamlined digital experience. We find as low effort companies approach digital in a different way. They know customers want to be in digital. That's the first place they go, but they don't want to choose your own venture. They want a simple, intuitive, streamlined experience. Second, they don't just focus on first contact resolution. So they don't just focus on solving the issues customers call about. They focus on solving the next issue they might call back about. So they engage in what we call a next issue avoidance or forward resolution. So thinking one step ahead for the customer, more uh, proactive or kind of predictive even issue resolution. Third, they equip their frontline representatives to use sophisticated language techniques, not generic soft skills. Like that, you should do that stuff. Be nice to people. But they equip their people to use sophisticated language techniques rooted in human psychology, behavioral economics to get the customer to feel like even if it was a high effort experience, it feels like it's actually a lower effort experience. And a lot of this perception can be managed by the language techniques our representatives use. And then lastly, they put control in the hands of the frontline representatives. And it's not you know, this sort of generic concept of empowerment, like everyone's empowered to give a $25 or one-time refund or up to $25 rebate or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about true empowerment where the agents actually have control and authority to resolve issues in the way that they think will meet the customer's expectations. And that leadership supports reps with what they need to make that happen. So it's really a, almost more of a servant leadership model. Low effort starts at home. So focus on the agent experience. What is it that you're doing, saying, investing in or not investing in that is making the job hard for your people? And when you make it easier for your people, don't be surprised when they are then able to make it easier for your customers as well. It sounds like a lot of this research has to do with listening to the reps because with them being the first point of contact with a lot of your customers, listening to their needs and what they need for support has got to add a lot. So can you go a little deeper about those tools that are used by the reps to really empower them in this process? I think there's a couple of different things. One is certainly low effort companies are making very principled investments in in technology and support resources to make that job easier for the representative. It's as simple as the agent interface, or it might be in the moment support resources, even like kind of a messaging application as reps are working from home these days. And it's really hard when there's nobody saying to your left or right anymore. So there's lots of technology, I think, that we can invest in to make the job easier for reps. The second thing I would say is some of the stuff does, it can be low tech too. So there are a number of companies we've profiled, we profiled the book, one in particular a company called Ameriprise, a financial planner, and they run a campaign on a regular basis called Capture the Nose. And all that is, is they ask their reps to write down during a day or their shift, what are all the reasons that during the shift or during your workday, you had to say no to the customer and why? You know, I had to say no because this was against our policy. I had to say no because it's against the law. I had to say no because the system wouldn't let me do this or the process doesn't work that way. And they jot all these things out and then they aggregate them up. And what they find is there's a lot of low hanging fruit. Like there are reasons that our reps are saying no 
that have to do with policies that have been rewritten for years, but we never updated the call handling process, right? Or they were policies written by attorneys who like retired like decades ago, you know, so we can we can revisit these things. And so there's a ton of low-hanging fruit. There are lots of reasons that we can take away for our no's that we can remove so that our agents can actually say yes. And then the last thing I would say is these language techniques I mentioned before, uh, this this idea of experience engineering, what we found is there's so many really subtle, you pointed out, it is subtle, but it's incredibly powerful. I'll give you one example. Most reps, when they get a, a request from a customer for something they know they can't do, and so the, the rep asks the customer to do something, and the knee-jerk reaction that reps have is to hide behind policy. We kind of call that powerless to help positioning, like, sorry, can't do it, won't do it, against the rules, whatever. But what the best refs do and what the best companies have done is supported the reps with language alternatives. So rather than say, no, I can't do that, even if you know you can't do that, what if instead you said, you know what, Millie, let's see if we can figure something out here. Let's see if we can work together to get you a solution to this problem. That feels like a much lower effort experience, even if the outcome ends up being exactly the same in either scenario. So these kinds of language techniques are incredibly powerful. Yeah, gosh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you're so right, because the rep understands the correct route to get them to the destination. The client may have an, an entirely different expectation of what that route should be. But hey, if you get there in the end, if they can get through it together, that's the best outcome, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So for the companies who do make the correct choice to really invest in these types of improvements and technologies, what can the return on investment look like? I'll share two uh, findings. One is we look at disloyalty rates. So these are customers who are, they display some attitude or behavior that indicates they might want to churn out, or they don't want to spend any more money with you. They're going to take their next dollar and spend it elsewhere, or they're going to say something bad about you. 96% of customers who had high effort experiences, difficult high effort experiences, also are customers who are much more likely to churn out, much less likely to spend more money with you, and much more likely to badmouth you and increasingly do so on social media. Now, only 9% of customers who had low effort experiences display any of those attitudes or behaviors. So these are customers who are much more likely to stay with you, much more likely to entertain an upsell or cross-sell offer, and much less likely to say anything bad about you. So that's on the loyalty side. So it's good for the top line, but it's also good for the bottom line. We found that a low effort experience, we collected a lot of cost benchmarking data, is actually almost 40% cheaper for a company to deliver. Now, again, I said before that this stuff is hard and to your question about why don't companies already do this. And it is hard to do this stuff and it's hard to prioritize and make progress. But if you can do it, it is a cheaper experience to deliver because it's an experience in which the customer goes to the website and they find what they're looking for. It's an experience in which they call you once, not five times, in which they don't get transferred all over the place and they don't have to repeat their story over and over again. So it is a more streamlined, efficient experience to deliver for the company. So good for the top line, good for the bottom line. And also, as I talked about before, it's good for the front line too, because we know that representatives, they don't like delivering high effort experiences any more than our customers like receiving one. So when they are able to say yes, when they feel like they're equipped with the right technology, the right tools, the right management structure, so they can be successful and get that customer to a not a you know yelling at them at conclusion, but a thanking them conclusion of the the conversation. That's a job they want to do. That's a job they want to come back the next day and do. Yeah, I like that. Why don't you give us just a few of the main takeaways that you really want our listeners to come away with, and then we're going to give you a chance to tell a little bit more about your books and, and where folks can learn about you. There's two areas I would point to. One I already mentioned before, which is low effort starts at home. So there's a lot of research that shows that good employee experiences lead to good customer experiences. And effort works the same way as that kind of commutative property. 
if we can make the job easier for our frontline people, they will make the experience easier for our customers. And so focus on that first. And the second thing is measure effort, right? Because we need to understand where is effort coming from? What's creating it? So we can prioritize what are the big sources of effort, like the boulders of the road. And then what are the things that are, yeah, they're more minor. They're like pebbles in the shoe. One of the things we talk about in the book is the customer effort score, which is a simple survey-based question to be able to really identify when experiences in the eyes of customers are high effort, and then allow us, coupled with operational data, to figure out what was it that made the customer say this was a real pain. Now, of course, with modern technology, we can use conversation analytics and unstructured data to predate those things, to, to look at call recordings, to look at chat interactions, email exchanges, and distill from that, what are those moments of friction for the customer, those moments of effort, and work with a much bigger data set than relying on our customers to fill out surveys. So those are a couple of immediate takeaways I, I give people in, in a sea of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Do those two things first. Go focus on what's making the job hard for your people and then start measuring effort so that you can really pinpoint where is it happening and, and what you should do about it. What I'm taking away from this is really, it must be done eventually. So the longer an organization puts it off, the more difficult it's going to become. So it's sort of like working out or good nutrition, right? Start now and just make the effort to do it. Well, as we wrap up, why don't we let folks know where they can get in touch with you and maybe check out some of your work? Yeah, sure. Folks can find me on LinkedIn, of course. Tell me you heard me on the show and you'd like to be connected. If you have a follow-up question, by all means, hit me up and let's keep the conversation going. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And then if you want to learn more about our company, it's dcminsights.com. A whole bunch more about what we do, types of companies we work with, kind of engagements that we're involved in, and a lot more about the other publications that we put out. Wonderful. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Abelie. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on the CX Pulse podcast. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. This podcast is brought to you by NICE, the world's leading cloud CX platform. Go to nice.com to learn more about our innovative and comprehensive end-to-end -end CX solutions. That's nice.com.